Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles. We win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello and welcome to a very special edition of the Record Celtic podcast. My name is Daniel Conn. I'm delighted to be joined by Record Sports' Graham Young and... um, the one and only Martin O'Neill. Martin, thanks so much for joining us. No problem, Daniel. We're, I say it's a, a special episode because, incredibly, it's been 20 years since the bill. Somehow, 20 years. It feels to me, someone said it was like two years ago. I believe it. I agree. Years. Yeah, absolutely. I agree with you. Just, uh, I, I don't know where the time has gone. Does it feel like that to you, though? I mean, uh, yeah, yeah, exactly the same. Yeah, Seville is like... Uh, yeah, I, I I agree with you. I, I, someone said to you, when did Seville happen? Or they said maybe two or three years ago. <laughs> well, we thought in this podcast we'd obviously look back on not just the Seville itself, but the run to the final. Mm-hmm. I thought um, we're not going to go through every every single game, don't worry, but I thought we'd touch on obviously some of the cause amazing achievements to get there to the final. Um, and some of the teams you played along the way were really incredibly tough. Well, I think I think yeah, I think it um, it probably really started uh, naturally l- having the disappointment of losing to Basel in the um, in the playoff game to get into the Champions League, and I think they went on to prove themselves a really decent side over the next couple of seasons as well too. But that's beside the point. I remember in Basel, Chris Sutton in the last last two minutes of the game, the shot looked as if it was going in, and suddenly did I, and I don't know what it hit, whether it was a uh, tough to grass or whatever, but it goes the other side of the post, and so we're out. But uh, um, and I remember uh, young Stylian Petrov saying, "Well, let's let's go and try and win the Europe, uh, the uh, uh, the UEFA Cup." And really, it kind of started from there. Got a, I think the the big game was when we were drawn against Blackburn Rovers. The usual thing that comes up then is that um, uh, we we in the Scottish League are always compared unfavourably with the English League, and I understand that, you know, the money's there in the in the big league. Blackburn were flying high, but but still not one of the top. They were about sixth or seventh. They had, had a really good season, and uh, but still not considered one of the top. So we were immediately under pressure because it was it's Celtic, it's Scotland. We're representing Scotland as much as anything else. And that did, I, I, I remember this distinctly, that that really was was playing on my mind at the time that I wanted Scottish football to be really thought of as as uh, really half decent because we had a, a very good side and and so had Rangers whom we were competing against. So then when Blackburn come to um, to Celtic Park, play really well in the game, 
In fact, we were second best for most of the uh, the evening. And then, of course, you will get all the critics saying, even though we scored a late goal to, to win the game, you'd have all the critics saying, well, there, we told you so. Yeah, Blackburn are only sixth or seventh in the league. And there's the, they're, they're, they're beating the top team in Scotland or or playing superbly well against them. So the game at Ewood Park became of paramount importance to us, I felt. And um, and I must admit, I know I've said this on a number of occasions, worth repeating, when um, when the bus the bus is um, it's kind of dark evening, bus pulls in into Ewood Park. But before that, there there's a pub on the left hand side, and the crowd, the Celtic crowd, were out um, waving the bus on through, and then uh, uh, and then I felt then when we got to the stadium. The lads went out to do some warm up. I went out to have a look at the, at, and then to see the the end. The end to my right hand side, absolutely packed with Celtic fans. And I thought, yeah, we'll not get beaten here today. When when Sunes said after the first leg, the you know the memorable quote about men against boys, mm. recently did your team got boring? I'd imagine. Very much so. Yeah, yeah. Well, in fairness, Graham has always. Uh, denied that he had said this it was one of the players and of course it was one of the players that said it but the players wouldn't have said that there unless the manager had mentioned it that's, been, that's that's probably beside the beside the point really but it was it was a big big incentive and the it's you know sometimes that you get these these things that uh, uh, if there's a two-legged affair and something and uh, and some comments emanate from the pre from the other dressing room um it can actually fire you up now sometimes it's overplayed, like everything else. But this was definitely not overplayed, and the players, the players, uh, reminded each other and reminded me of what was said. And so it, yeah, yeah, it did you know it was a team talk for us? Yeah, absolutely. The um, the obviously the next round set will be go. I couldn't believe this the other night, but it came back to mind. That took Celtic into the last stages of Europe beyond Christmas. It was the first time in twenty three years. Absolutely. Yeah, to think of it. Yeah, it, it, that is true, and that's uh, and that was the first when when we did that, and then we had big John Hartson's goal as well too there, which uh, turned the tide for us, and it was terrific, and uh, it, it was amazing because uh, I, I mean I was told relatively quickly after that that was the first time, as you say, in in twenty odd years that Celtic had made it after Christmas into European football, so um, it 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 was it was amazing. But the great thing about it was that after after that that was over, then you could allow yourself the Christmas, Christmas, the New Year, not to think about European football again for a little while until it came round again, and then try and just concentrate on on domestic things. Uh, the one question I want to ask you: there was a theory about European football at the time that you wanted to be um, home in the second leg, but that whole campaign was based on good results at home and this ability to go away, I think tied into the point Daniel made there about staying in Europe beyond Christmas, just really kind of gutsy away performances, Blackburn, Liverpool, even mm -hmm. Stuttgart, 20 minutes in Stuttgart was um, just as good as just good as football you see Celtic play in terms of goals. Yeah. How, how did that work out in terms of, did you, did you like the way the format of the home game Winning at home or getting a good result at home, going away, did that did that help Celtic in that run to Seville? Well, well it, it it did, Graham, but it wasn't it, it it wasn't by design. I must admit, you know, I I would still have preferred the second game to be at Celtic Park, but it wasn't to be. 
And, um, and strangely enough, people keep thinking about our record, our record in the Champions League at home was fantastic. And yet in this run to Seville, actually it was it you know well it it wasn't it it wasn't putrid but it wasn't fantastic either you know when when you consider that you know in later rounds you're talking about liverpool and then you're talking about boa vista and things that you see here so no it wasn't it wasn't by design that 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 uh, we go out and try and get get something going there and uh, no we had to we had to fight tooth and nail for that and i think that i think that that probably i can say this now but perhaps maybe didn't really think about it then. But you know, when 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 the fans talk about the run, I think that they I think they talk about the the trips they've had to make to make. You know, the games that they've had to play and the matches in which they've had to sometimes endure. You know, as much as anything else. But the one we'll 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 come to it later on. The round against the Germans, where when um, uh, I mean we had done terrifically well at home. And then we'd scored a couple of goals early on, and we were coasting, and uh, and eventually hanging on in the game. That that I I think that if we had lost that tie, honestly, you would you would you wouldn't have seen me for dust then after that. Well, the whole, the whole... I, I would I would have been honestly I would have been marched out of uh, I'd have been marched out of Parkhead, you know, uh, with uh, with no fanfare at all. The home leg, of course, was that was the game that Henrik Larsson he injured his jaw. That's right, and, and we had end up and Michel Maloney play for us, absolutely. And Scott, yeah. yeah, I was going to ask just about that Stuttgart game in particular. It, as much as there was so much success in the run at the final, it wasn't without its moments. And beating a team of Stuttgart's class without Henrik Larsson. I think if I remember rightly, it was like back-to-back weeks as well. It wasn't like a big break. It was the one week for the first leg and second straight after, and one nil down as well uh, at home without your without your talisman. Do you remember that as a moment? Sean Money stepping up just it seemed an electric night, and everyone kind of came to the fore. I absolutely agree with you. You know, because uh, lo- losing Henrik for I think about a period of about a month or something like this here was obviously a big blow. Big blow to lose Henrik in any given stage. And uh, so we had to do without him. We realised we had to do without him. And there, young Maloney comes up, steps up to the stage, and performs like he had, like, like, like it wasn't, it wasn't any big deal. Uh, yes. Yeah, so that was really, really terrific. You know, to beat a, a team of that caliber in the manner in which we did do, even though, as I said, to the second leg, um, we we scored early on. We get a couple of goals. We are absolutely electric in the opening. Uh, half hour of the game, then suddenly they get back into it, giving them themselves a little bit of hope. But that should have been all. And then they then they score a, 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 a few more goals. And of course you get into a you get into a, a bit of a, a bit of a worrying case. This game, this game, I, eventually, if you, if someone was looking at the score lines in both games, you would have thought that this was this was uh, you know relatively straightforward task. But actually, it, it 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 was never that. I must admit. And I, as we talk now, can you imagine? For instance, there were, I was watching the highlights of the game last night: Sheffield Wednesday versus Peterborough. Oh. So Peterborough leading four nil. So there's moments there when I'm when uh, when I see Darren Ferguson in the face, and I, I think I see my face etched in that there for a moment or two. But listen, <laughs> we came we came through it, and th- that that was the main news, you know. I know that Stuttgart aren't the, the biggest name on this run in European football terms, but it's worth saying they came second only to Bayern that season. 
And so, Celtic Vigo, fourth in La Liga. England, uh, Liverpool, Blackburn in England's European spots. You know, Porto won the Champions League the next season. Liverpool, the year after that. I mean... Oh, that, that I sometimes like everything else. There's certain things that are forgotten about, but that is that is forgotten. Yeah, they were they were very 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 strong. They had a good size. They had some really good players playing in the side, and uh, and they could they, they could break on you very very quickly. You know, particularly when when we were in the attack. But uh, you know we but the goals that we scored in the game would suggest that we must have been doing something reasonably okay. Mm-hmm. When you, when you, sorry, on you go, William. On you go, Dan. On you no, go. no, 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 no. Honestly, you go. Uh, just returning to Liverpool, you made a point there about the home and home and away and every uh, the Liverpool double header and what it brought to Celtic and uh, it was obviously a phenomenal night at Parkhead last again, uh, just back two minutes and scoring a goal. But mm-hmm. I think like like different parts of that run, whether the injury last, and I think. Most would agree the home leg. There was times you had to kind of it was a it was a to and fro, but there was times a weather in the storm as well. But you, going to Anfield, everyone talks about a great night in Celtic's history, one of the best ever, beating a mammoth name in European football. It was on BBC. It had all the elements of, but it all goes back. There's a, a point that keeps getting raised about your team talk before the game, and I think Henrik Larson, I think from quoted saying it's the best ever or the one that's resonated with him the most. Um, what do you remember? Do you remember the words that were in that speech, or did you have something pre-planned, or was it just the emotion of the night? And I think it left a, a mark in the players in the dressing room. I did well. It's interesting because I, I I met up with Henrik a few years ago. In fact, in Russia, when we were uh, both working on the on the World Cup for a while, and um, and then we met that uh, that other lad, uh, Chris Sutton, and we would <laughs> we we went out and uh, and grabbed something to eat. So, um, I, 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 well, I mean, it goes without saying for a start, and I'm digressing here, that both were just wonderful during, during my time at the, at the football club. Henrik, even before that there, but Sutton was a, I, I keep saying, even though I won't tell him this, but he, uh, he was a, a, I mentioned in the book, a landscape changer for us coming up there, you know, after Viduka had left the football club. But um, getting, getting, yeah, um, Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. So your 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 point about the games, uh, I think that um, I think that uh, talking about talking about Liverpool, I remember the atmosphere at, at Celtic being so 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 amazing at the time, and the game started off like 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 as if it was only going to be ten minutes each way. So, and we get the goal, and then Liverpool score. I think Heskey gets the equaliser or something like this here, and then it went into a wee bit of a lull for a while. Do you know the game itself? But overall, sorry, Graham, I'm, I'm probably missing your point, and you can come back to it in a second or two. But I just that that I that uh, yeah, you talk about the team, the team talk. Well, I'm going to conveniently say I don't remember anything anything about it now. And uh, but it wasn't there, nothing, not pre-planned. I think it is definitely the emotion of the night, you know. And um, but it's um, yeah. I mean, the, the players are facing. They're facing Anfield. They're facing a, a very, very good Liverpool side. 
So at some stage, you know, you've got to make these boys believe that they, they, they can actually do this, you know. And we had the players in the dressing room. They just, they, you know, sometimes players need reminding of how good they are. There was a moment that night as well, I remember. I think it was the first leg. Mike alone put it through Bobo Baldi's legs and just mm-hmm. left for dead. Mm-hmm. Just a reminder of the talent you were up against. Owen, Gerard, Heskey, Carragher. As I say, they they won the Champions League in two thousand and five. I mean, uh, uh, absolutely, yeah, and it, it is amazing. Fun enough, I again, I was speaking to Jamie Carragher um, not um, uh, less than a couple of weeks ago, actually doing in the uh, Sky Sports in the on a Monday night with him, and he was talking about these games as well too. So, and strangely enough, considering that they were the vanquished team, vanquished side. He was talking with great fondness about those those matches and the the atmosphere that was created in both games. Just to touch on Carragher there, Martin, uh, just a question I wanted to ask. He he made the point about the physicality of your teams, not just Celtic, but the Leicester team that you had great success with. I always remember a quote from Ronald Dubur as well, where I don't know if it was backhanded as if the open play wasn't good, but he said that the Celtic were the best set-piece team in the world or Europe. Or, that was a ma- massive element of Celtic. And did you feel in that run, certain times football matches up certain ways, styles of teams in Europe, did you feel that physical advantage in your team matched up well with the teams you faced in Europe that season? Did, did, did that give Celtic, is that what ultimately helped Celtic towards the final? I know the, it wasn't a team short in skill, uh, but in these big moments ago against Celtic Vigo, Blackburn in the home leg, is that extra element, was that pivotal on the run to Seville? Okay, Graham. There, well, there's a couple of things to that. Number one, um, uh, set pieces are part of the game, and they are a major part of the game now. When someone scores a blinding free kick from 25 yards out and sticks the ball in the net, no one ever considers that a set piece. You know, it's actually oh, it's a, just a, a fantastic goal. Whereas corners are a different thing. Now we were we were strong, we were good, um, brilliant coach in, in Steve Walford. And uh, but yes, I had this at Leicester where I, I wanted players. You have to want it. It's all very well setting up people on a Friday morning and everybody's nice and jovial. And yes, and yeah, we're looking forward to the game the following day. And then you find out that you put certain people into positions. And of course, they'll head it fine for you on a Friday and then duck out of it on a Saturday. Well, we didn't have too many in both Celtic and, and uh, Leicester City that ducked out of headers. You wanted the best ones who, and the bravest boys who would go and head the ball. Henrik Larsson was as brave as a lion. So was Mialbi. So Baldy could head the ball as well too. So we had these players to do it as I did at, at Leicester City. And that, had, that gives you a big psychological advantage over the, others, the, the opposition if they get kind of physically scared of you in that sense. But that's that's masking the ability that we possessed in the side, and I think sometimes these are these are that was a nice comment. If was it you said Ronald Burr said that about us, I, I'll take that comment that, that compliment going. But we could play. We played with two wide players. You're talking about Didier Gat. You're talking about uh, Alan Thompson, who certainly their their entrance into into Celtic. There's no question helped Henrik Larsson score the number of goals that he did do, knowing that. That when um, when Didier was going to go past somebody, he was going to whip the ball ball in, and and as I've often heard the centre forwards talking now when they're doing punditry work, if you know that that ball's coming in there, you can make that move as a centre forward. You can make that move, 
knowing that it's that's there, that you know when someone's going to deliver the ball. So we had these things. We had ability in the middle of the field. You had, young, you had Lennon who dictated matters. You had young Petrov and players like this here. Players who've gone on to prove themselves as really, really top quality players. And as you mentioned, Liverpool win the Champions League and um, a couple of seasons later, uh, Porto won the Champions League the year after with virtually the same side. I think that if we had, and twice we were definitely unlucky. And I know I know now I, I look at these things and I say, oh, you make your own luck. Bobo Baldi handles the ball against Leon in the, la the last minute. We're through into the, la the, the, the knockout stages of the competition. We do the same if we, we, you know, the teams that we were playing in our group were by, you know, we had uh, sides like Bayern Munich and teams like this year fighting the Juventus. Uh, if, uh, I mean, we were no doubt that we were absolutely robbed down in Juventus in the opening game. We get into the, we, I have to say this now, and I think I'm saying it with some authority. We get into those knockout stages. I don't think anybody, anybody in European football would have wanted to have come to Celtic Park to play. And I think you, you hear some of the Juventus players saying even now, that the atmosphere that night and uh, uh, was sensational. So all of those things are wretched um, in the memory. Unfortunately, you can't change things. Martin, just you touched on there. It's something that I think has been debated in the past. I think that too, just to jump the season beyond Seville, you, you mentioned Bobo Baldi's handball against Leon. But that season, 2003-2004, it was a bit of a change in the guard in the Champions League. And the four semi-finalists were Claudio Ranieri's Chelsea, Deportivo, Jose Mourinho's Porto, and they have gone blank on Mon Monaco. It felt a season, and as you touched upon, does that, have you ever gone to, I know some supporters in the past, did you, did you look at that season maybe as you made the point, if you made the knockouts that year, could that have potentially have been a, a, another run back to back? And I know you... Absolutely, absolutely. I, I, you know, watching the final port at Monaco, Monaco, I, I think, I, I listen, uh, Monaco people would probably turn around and say, no, no, we would have beaten you. But you wouldn't have feared playing Monaco. Absolutely not. You wouldn't have. Not, not with the side that we possessed. I think it's worth saying as well, just while we're on that season, that was obviously the year that you guys beat Barcelona. Yeah. Not Barcelona out of Europe. And just, you know, we mentioned Porto in 2004 won the Champions League, Liverpool in 05, Barcelona in 06. So... Well, well done. I, that, that is true. And I, I hadn't even thought about that there. And also, you know, as people, we forget, I forget myself sometimes that the following year after 2003, we're actually in the quarterfinals. We're yep. beaten by a very good Villarreal side. And I, true, I, I must admit, they were, a, they were a fine side. And over the two legs, they deserved, they deserved to beat us. But we were in the quarterfinals again of the UEFA Cup. So we kind of, to, to a certain extent, and please, uh, take this similarity uh, uh, in the in the right the correct the right way. It's funny that 1967 side the Lisbon Lions, fantastic, absolutely. And suddenly it seems to be forgotten that they actually got to the final in 1970 again. You know, and and you know when we talk when I talk to old older members like myself of a, as a Celtic clan and talk about the 67 side, which is the best side that Celtic have ever had, uh, no question because they won the European Cup. And until that's won again, no one else can can claim that. But um, 1970 side, having beaten Leeds United in the semi-final, should have, I know you, I'm talking to two young lads who weren't even around at the time, but should have gone on to have beaten Feyenoord in the final and didn't do. And yet it's never talked about. You know? I always remember my granddad saying to me, um, I said, did you go to Lisbon? He went, 
no, we just said we'd go next year, go to the next year's final. That's, <laughs> that's how they just, you know, that's the way it was back yeah, then. Which was down at Wembley. Yeah, absolutely. You know, see one so, point here as well, see reflecting on talking about these European adventures, must be a real source of pride because your, your legacy at the club is knowing what you were able to do and winning trophies. <laughs> but year on, year on year, even the Bordeaux year in your first season, they were a good outfit. You were mm. trying to win the league, take the league. A wonder goal puts you out. The next year, progress again. First year in the Champions League. Seville, as you make the point, quarter-final, the fourth year. There was a really difficult group in your last, but consistently, every game, taking tremendous scalps or competing at a really high level. Is that yeah. a real source of pride looking back? It's, it was more than just one season. It was every year. Celtic were a bona fide contender in Europe. Is that how you look at it now? I, I, Graham, I, I, I do. Yeah, I, I, you know what? I, over, overall, you, you, <clears throat> I don't think you worry too much about legacies. Legacies are wh- whatever the case may be. I had a fantastic time at Celtic, I must admit. One thing I do, and if you think this is boasting, please take it in the right, in the right manner. <clears throat> my first European game, my first European game for Celtic was a qualifying game against a team from Luxembourg. You a qu- absolutely. So a qualifying game for for so Celtic Celtics <clears throat> Celtics standing in Europe, you know, <clears throat> wasn't really that high, and and I just wanted it to get back again to the sort of uh, to the sort of place that that Celtic deserved to be. Okay, sorry, I'll rephrase that. No one deserves to be anywhere. You have to earn it. But where Celtic had been before. You've just mentioned, Daniel, 23 years since they'd last played a, a, a match after Wembley. And sometimes when I, and I please and take this in the right manner as well, sometimes when I hear uh, Charlie Nicholas speaking, I, I feel as if Charlie has played in five consecutive European Cup finals for Celtic. <laughs> While he was there, they never qualified for so So... I'm not so sure that that Charlie is actually primed to speak about European football after Christmas time. You know, I must admit. So listen, that's it. That's it. That's as it may be. But overall, yeah, I do, Graham. In a sense, I take a, I, I, I take a, a bit of pride at the fact, but at least greatly with a, a, a bit of disappointment, disappointment in Seville, and eventually, obviously, to lose the game, regardless. And that disappointment that we didn't, you know, I honestly think that if we had reached the the the, um, the the knockout stages of the Champions League with that team, that no side would have fancied coming to Celtic Park. And, and obviously, we mentioned the Liverpool tie. When you get by then, Martin, I know it's a cliche, or we'll just take the next game as it comes, but you must have then been looking and thinking, we can win this, we can actually win oh, this. Of course, absolutely then, absolutely. And strangely enough, you know, when... Uh, and Bo Vista was just a stuffy, stuffy occasion in both. Uh, and it, uh, but uh, you know, when you have Larson still in the field, you'll you, you know there's still a chance. And we got the goal, the big, big goal. And uh, r- remarkably, and I think I'm right about this, but I think the other semi-final was was Porto versus Lazio. Yeah. I I, I wanted Lazio to go through. Not that I didn't. I first of all didn't know that much about Jose Mourinho. Didn't really know that much about Porto at the time, knowing that Porto who would have half a Brazilian colony playing for the men of you know, at some stage or another, would be very, very fine players. But I perhaps maybe I just, I wanted Lazio because maybe Lazio with a bigger name and it's going down to Seville and it was all of those things. As it turns out, Lazio would have been easier opposition, I must admit. 
but um, but Porto tore them apart, and uh, and, uh, and then Boa Vista became disappointed because they they were thinking the Boa Vista versus Porto final would have been something. Anyway, I digress. I'm just saying that um, that uh, yeah, I probably wanted Lazio for the only the reason that Lazio would would have been a, a, an appealing game, but and eventually I think probably probably would have been uh, a, a less difficult opponent. Do you think just see on the Boa Vista one, Martin? Do you, do you think? Um... Obviously, a smaller side. They they actually finished tenth that season. They put all their eggs in the UEFA Cup basket and really went mm-hmm. for it. Yeah. Do you almost think your your side, the the kind of um, manner of of the way you guys played and the kind of personalities, it would have been better suited playing a bigger name, a bigger team. Uh, you know, part <clears throat> and rather than being the favourites, if, if that makes sense. Oh, you mean against Boa Vista, or you against mean Vista, against yeah. Boa Vista? Yeah, I think. you know? I, I, it's really interesting. I think after Liverpool, we were on such a high. We're such a high then that I think, I mean, I'm saying these things. I didn't think it at the time, but, you know, sometimes your memory plays a trick on you. But maybe maybe there was a feeling early on in proceedings that, you know, if we beat in Liverpool, we should be able to dispose of Boa Vista. And it's... and. I can't really say that it w- that 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 I that I felt that, but maybe maybe at the back of the mind, maybe maybe I became just a, a you know little bit blasé about it. You know the the manner in which we beat Liverpool, perhaps. But it it was a stuffy occasion or two stuffy occasions anyway in the games. But we saw it through. The point I'm probably trying to make would that would have been a massive disappointment to have lost in the semi-final, having having done what we had done so far up to then. And having beaten Liverpool, you know, at Anfield, that not to reach the final then against against Porto, that would have been a major disappointment. And perhaps maybe, and the way in people which talk about Seville now, but the run to it, it it, it wouldn't have had the same impetus at all, you know, to have lost in the semi final. See one point as well about the Boa Vista night. I think maybe um, reinforces what you said about breaking records of 23 years and so forth and uh, the, the fact that playing Boa Vista, it was light outside and Celtic were playing a European game I think that was just all these novelties that you've got so far in a competition and it's a, it's a lovely evening and That's true that is, that is, Absolutely yeah. very true and it kind of, absolutely Graham, and a really good point you make because in my playing day it reminded me of the series they did do as you say, light outside and and particularly when you know with uh, as as we're based up in Glasgow and in North, you get a wee bit light for longer as well too as I used to know in my summer days in Northern Ireland as a kid and um, but really it reminded me of the semi final when I played um, for Nottingham Forest semi final against Cologne the German champions at the time way back in 1979 and uh, where there was light for a period of the game as well too and you know. There's part of it like felt like a like um like um what shall I say almost like an afternoon game but when the light when the light faded and the dust had set down and then it became night within a minute or two the atmosphere at, at Nottingham Forest that night was probably the most atmospheric game I have ever ever played in against Cologne in the semi final of the European Cup ever ever played in two 0 down after about uh, about twelve or thirteen minutes and we fight back to draw three three in the game. And then win win out in in Cologne. So yes, just you know, uh, moments of that game against Boa Vista uh, reminded me of the same thing about uh, the semi final against uh, against Cologne. Because I don't 
only because of the point you make about the light, you know, the bit of a bit of daytime. I don't know what you think, Graham. I, I, we, we were teenagers at the time, Martin, but I remember amongst all my friends, and obviously we were just kids, but... You boys look teenagers even now. So <laughs> don't know about that. Um, but I remember all me and all my friends saying, oh, beat Bob Easter. That's the easiest game yet. That's the easiest <laughs> time. And it was the hardest time. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely right. It turned out to be. But if you think about it, Dan, you, you must think a team that has reached the semi-final... I mean, they can be beaten, all right, but they—they'd be—they—they they must have had something about themselves to get that far, you know. So the, I just think I think there was an overall feeling that having beaten Liverpool, we should be able to beat Boa Vista because we don't know as much about Boa Vista. That was really it, and that. But I say that would have been a disappointment. I—I—I'm saying this now, and that's twenty odd years now, as you're talking about. Um, but at the time, I don't think I—I I don't think in my mind. I underestimated Boa Vista because the truth is this here. For my five years up there, I never underestimated any side in the league. Uh, you know, going away from home, going away to St. Johnston, going away to St. Mirren. Uh, I, I, if you'd seen me before these matches, you would know that I wouldn't have been treating these games lightly, you know. So. I always remember that Boa Vista goalie, Ricardo. Remember uh, he saved Larson's penalty? Yep. In Euro 2004, he took his gloves off against England. I remember uh, oh, that. Oh, well done. That's right. I'd forgotten about that. I just remember him being dead cocky, and I thought we need to get a goal. Yeah, just, just to <laughs> shut him up. If anything else, yeah. <laughs> when, when you obviously you reach the final, you've just touched on it. As a player, you've won two European Cups. As a manager, you won a boatload with Celtic. But did nerves still play a part for you, or, or you know? Oh, of course, of course, yeah. I mean, I think, I think being a manager, I, I, listen, I, I was, uh, I thought it was always a good thing as a player. I was always nervous before games, you know, seriously, uh, always nervous. I think it was a good thing. Sometimes I think in my earlier time as a player, it, uh, the the nerves might have got the better of me to to begin with. Once you start to settle down and you start, and then. You know the sort of success that Nottingham Forest were having, and I became part of that team. I still became nervous before matches, but you know when the game started off, you know you felt, listen, I can. The the, the nervousness used to come early on is whether you could compete at that level. That was the, that was the concern. Remember when I came over, I was an amateur player playing for Distillery and and being at university. So being a professional footballer, like almost overnight, became a different thing. So you're you're always concerned about whether you can cope with the level of football that you're playing at. And the teams that we were playing against, like Derby County went on to win the... Uh, Liverpool were a great side, but the best side in the league at that time were Leeds United. You know, they were... they Honestly, they were a fantastic football side and, um, and had all great players, Giles, Bremner, that you could go through the whole team. And uh, so that class, to try and get to that ability... That would that would be the thing that would make you nervous as much as anything else. Well, once we, as I said to you, once Brian Clough arrived and we started to, we got promotion and won the league. Then things became, never became routine, but they became less nervous, or your nerves left you more easily, shall I say, during the course of matches. And then, sorry, and as a manager, it's much worse. It's worse. Yeah, so you don't have an influence. Obviously, you're not in the pitch. So is that worse? Yeah. You don't have an influence in the pitch, and that's why I feel that the team talks become so so important. And, and they're not. They're of course you do your preparation before, and of course you do all of these things, and you get people during the course of the week 
um, you know, uh, ready for the games mentally as much as anything else. But if they're physically in decent condition, then I, th I, I, the the power of the team talk beforehand is uh, to me of paramount importance. It really has been, and it's been a thing because. The, these are the last words they're going to hear before stepping onto the field. Now they can go into a huddle and, and, and talk to each other, that's fine. But from a manager, and I think these these things are important, particularly when you're dealing with, you know, really, really fine footballers. For the Seville team, Top Martin, did you any special preparation? I imagine having a couple of weeks, it must have been you know, doing your head in a bit, you know. I think that, I, well, you're you're keeping an eye, you're keeping an eye on on results at domestic level, you know, because we're chasing Rangers down as well too. And I think there was a game on the Sunday, please correct me, but if my memory plays me uh, correct, that uh, Rangers were playing on the Sunday uh, before our before our game. I think we had travelled travelled out. I think I might be right in the days. And of course, I spend my whole afternoon trying to worry about happening over there because a draw will do us the world of good and I think it might have been against Hearts and yeah. I think Rangers scored some some late goals or it's certainly into the second half and maybe scored a second goal and this was our big hope because I just wanted I wanted I wanted to do uh, at that stage and goals were making a big difference and I remember in one of the games that Jim Duffy allowed allowed um, Dundee to play a game to give us an extra time uh, to prepare we did brilliantly in the match, but conceded a late goal. And I must admit, I was apoplectic in the dressing room. Was it not something that was 6-2 that game? Or yeah, it was. But the goal that we conceded at the end became, uh, became so important. And I knew this at the time. It became so, so important in the reckoning. At the, you know, because it's a, a goal less that you have to try and find at Kilmarnock on the Sunday. That's quite a vivid memory that night. It's Again, it was a sunny night midweek and... You'd the address to the players. I always remember it. It was this: we'll do everything we can. And well, that was your opening line. But this promise of, well, everyone knew that Celtic would do that. And I remember maybe Larson's face, a few players in the background, a feeling of, it's a big. Everyone in the stands has got their sombreros on. Viva España! Yes. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, everyone's playing in the. Yeah, sorry, uh, Viva España's playing sombreros, and that was the fine margins in that title race with Angels. That's probably what makes Seville. Even more remarkable as well. It's it's in a, a dogfight, a title race. Everything's going the whole way. Having to come back in that, winning at Ibrooks, pulling the points back from there, while at the same time going in UEFA Cup and all these, it was it was a remarkable achievement. And I think uh, that sign off for support. I think that reinforces the point that the club was just it was just a, a tidal wave of emotion heading into mm -hmm. that game. As you make that point about keeping an eye on the Rangers score on the Sunday, um, that night you could definitely tell that. It wasn't just Seville in your mind. It's not just about this party. It's, it, it was it was a mass try to win two trophies at once. It's an actual when you look at it that way, it's an incredible effort for it, the to try and do it. True, Graham, absolutely. And I, 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 it took me it took me quite some hours. I became really sullen about the about the result because I was hoping. And I, I know eventually you have to sort it out yourself. But just just you know, a couple of points to put it absolutely and utterly in our own hands. So if it had been a draw that, that day, then we can go to Kilmarnock and win the game and not worry about what's happening elsewhere. And um, so, but these are the things. That's why I've got the utmost regard for the players because they come, they play, they play in the conditions in, in Seville. They, you're into extra time, you lose a final 
and there you are, and then you're having to come back on a Sunday, get yourself galvanized to try and score goals in a match. I, I, I've got the utmost regard for the players here. Always have had, I must admit. Uh, but they were a really, really fine bunch. But again, as you say, you talk about a, um, you know, a tide of emotion. I think that that's what I think that's what Seville was eventually all all about. It, almost like a culmination of that of that emotion throughout the course the course of the season. And of course, we ended up playing I don't know anything between eleven and fifteen games more than Rangers at 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 at, at a really really high level. I, I was watching the, the opening to the, the Seville game last night, Martin, on, on YouTube, and uh, BBC commentator Barry Davies, it just struck me that he said, um, uh, Spain has never seen an invasion quite like this, mm -hmm. in regards to the Celtic fans. Did you, were you guys aware of what was happening? Like, I, <clears throat> Yeah, well, first of all, you would know, you would know that Celtic fans would make their way. It doesn't matter whether whether that if that ground if that ground is built. By the way, the pitch was terrible. I must admit. But if that if that ground had held four thousand people, and uh, you would know that there would be that Celtic fans would come to it, and, and and regardless of where they're going to watch the game, they would be there. So yeah, yes, yeah. You, in the in the couple of days beforehand, you you know you're hearing noises from home about the people descending upon Seville, but you don't. I mean, we were we were outside it a little bit, but the trip in, the trip in, you know, as we're trying to make our way through in the bus, then you could realise it. And I, I, you know, you see just the sea of green and white. It's just it is I don't it is almost indescribable, really. And uh, and I, I and it becomes emotional as well to you. There's no question about that. And then it becomes it becomes like almost like a burden, you know, in the sense that you gosh, the people have arrived here. They're you know. They're, you know, not. I'm quite sure a lot of people probably didn't really know that much about Porto. I'm not talking about Celtic fans not knowing and not realizing how good uh, a good a side they were. And you know, coming for as the lads would talk about a party here. You know, to win. It's nice to hear whether it's true or not. It's nice to hear fans still uh, say the people who oh Seville was a great, really great occasion. Obviously, lads. It was, in one sense, for me, but in another sense, of of massive disappointment. What a night it would have been if we had done three-two rather than the other way around. And for someone like Larson, who playing in the manner in which he did, you I mean among all of some of the great games that he played, this was it, almost unsurpassable. You touched upon it there, Martin, about the quality of Porto, and obviously Celtic were an extremely high-level team as well. When did that first? I mean, you obviously knew the Lazio result, but was this in the pre-match prep? See, when you were watching Porto before the final, were mm -hmm. you left impressed by what they were able to do? Was but was it quite clear they were a team of distinction? Of course, yeah, yeah. You you knew you knew that you knew the players could play. They were terrific footballers. They 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 you know they swept Lazio uh, aside with no, no real problem. I not for one moment that I know a great deal about uh, Jose Mourinho at the time. But I, uh, you know, but but they did, they did, and you could see this even in some of their games. Their time wasting of when they get in front was, you know, that like like a masterclass in many aspects. And so those are the things you had to worry about: players going down so easily, like great players going down the minute they're touched, they're down for free kicks and things like this here. And I mean, it's absolutely prevalent now in the Premier League at the moment, and it's not just from foreign players, you know the. The British players are going down now, which is learned a lesson or two. 
But yeah, overall, you could tell that they were class side. Yes, we knew how good uh, Porto were, they, how skillful they were as a side. But you cannot be you cannot be thinking well um, that uh, you could, you of course you impart that knowledge and the players would have seen this here. But you still have to be not be going in with any inferiority complex to the game. And that was that that was the point. I always felt that we could win the match. Well, you mentioned Jose Mourinho. What was he like to deal with, and, and did you have much many dealings with him? I, don't, after, I went to Aston Villa. Yeah, we had, uh, uh, um, we had, um, uh, you know, I, the, the 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 evening of the game, the evening of the game in Seville after they had after they had won, and he was coming over, and I'm obviously I was really annoyed by by their tactics and their antics during the course of the game, and I tried to display that, but then sometimes you feel as if well that's just like. Um, that's, you know, uh, what shall I say, like almost like a poor loser from that viewpoint. But uh, no, he, listen, uh, if the world ended today, uh, Jose is one of the great managers in the game. His record is fantastic. What he did with Porto is great. They went on to, uh, went on to uh, Chelsea, did wonderfully well, signed some really good players and competing with Manchester United at the time. And, uh, and then uh, wins the Champions League uh, with uh, Champions League with uh, Inter as well too, I think at the time, although Barcelona, if you remember, I think it was in the semi-finals, Barcelona had to make about uh, like a, a trip over the, a trip, uh, I think that Cannonball, I think, would have been um, would have been more used to, to having a trip over the Alps or something like this here. Do you remember there was, uh, there were strikes or, or flights and they had to take buses, so by the time, by the time that Messi and and the lads had arrived down in Milan. I think they were. I, I think they'd done about uh, about twenty-seven hours in a coach. You know that doesn't help. But anyway, overall, but uh, Josie's terrific manager, really good manager, no question about it. Just did he come into the dressing room after Martin? Did he did he offer you like commiserations or something, anything like that? Uh, no, no, I, I, that wasn't that wasn't something that uh, that uh, people did. It's more it's more like a British thing of managers coming in, and you've got a little bit of time. But after after a European final, you wouldn't have time. And had we won, I wouldn't have been I wouldn't have been seeing him after the match. You've got your own things to do, and that wasn't something that I mean. Arsene Wenger uh, never did it. Never went into rooms. Alex Ferguson was always win or lose, generally winning. He would come into the uh, to the room or have a drink afterwards in the match. But for a European final, you're no matter who it would have been, you would be unlikely to see the the manager afterwards. You know, man, I feel like I could talk to you all day about this, um, but I'm, I'm aware we have to let you go at some point. Um, but I think it's just worth summing up to say that obviously Celtic didn't win the trophy, but it's still an iconic season, and you and the players gave Celtic fans a season, a night that they'll never ever forget. You know, regardless of, of where the trophy went, and I think that's you know to be proud of rather than. I do, kind of I do, yes, Daniel. I, I, well, it's. I suppose it's uh, the old thing. Um, as uh, I never forget when I started out in football management, my daughters, my two daughters, who had never seen me play, you know, by the time that they arrived in this earth, my my footballing career was over, and they always felt that um, that you know. Winning, if you won the game on a Saturday, life was much easier in the O'Neill household, you know. So, and uh, my daughter, who was 11 years of age, and I'm at Wickham Wonders at the time, used to come out as I was leaving the home to go to the games, home or away. She used to shout and come out to the car and wind down the window and say, Dad, just win. And <laughs> um, 
and you have to do that now. You have to you have to win the games, and that's a major disappoint major disappointment. But it is lovely to hear Celtic fans almost to a man saying that they you know the ones who went to Seville had the time of their lives. It was a really really fantastic journey, and I think they probably meant the whole journey almost from from the start. The Blackburn Rovers, the uh, the Liverpool, the Stuttgart. You're saying the Celta Vigo one, and um, all of those games and even even the stodginess of uh, Boa Vista, but all of that there. So from that viewpoint, it was terrific. Would it, would it, wouldn't have been fantastic just to have, to have won, to have had a European trophy alongside the ones that Jock Steen had won. That, you know, so it, it wasn't to be. But of, of the side, I'm extremely proud of the team. I think they were, they were a great bunch. They, they had a real fighting spirit about them. In fact, sometimes in the dressing room at half time in matches, it, the, the hardest part of my job was quelling them, you know, really, uh, sometimes. And that's when we were winning, you know. Yeah. Okay, okay. <laughs> so you can you imagine what it would be like beforehand.